as you know, we've been working our way uh, through Romans, and uh, we're starting. It. We're looking at chapter three, verse twenty-five today, and so thirty-one, and uh, so it's talking about Jesus, uh, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith? Sorry, who is he? Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Okay, I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you would give us understanding uh, into uh, this passage today uh, for our lives, that you would give us peace, that you give us joy, uh, that you give us security that comes uh, through this good news that you've given us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, firstly, verse 25 is really a recap of what we've done up till now, and we've heard this a couple of times already. And I'd encourage you to listen to, there's a couple of sermons on the podcast from the last couple of weeks that will go over this from our church. But uh, when he speaks of God putting forward uh, Jesus as a propitiation to be received by faith, up to now in the book of Romans, he spent a long time convincing us that we are all sinful. We remember we've talked about that. Uh, We are all rebellious, we are all without hope, not one is worthy, not one is good. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and continue to fall short of the glory of God. But righteousness came to us through Jesus, not by obeying the law, because none of us have obeyed the law, have we? None of us have got it right. And God's wrath was coming for us. And uh, I've used the example before, but I, I use it again. If uh, all of God's wrath was heading towards Yarko because he deserved it, because he'd sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and he deserved death, and he deserved to be under condemnation, all of God's anger was coming towards him, and Jesus stood in the way, that's, that is Jesus becoming a propitiation for our sins. He stood in the way and he received the wrath of God and he gave to Yarko the righteousness, perfect righteousness, the righteousness of God. So Jesus stood in the gap and that people call sometimes the great exchange. The great exchange. God took, uh, well, Jesus took onto himself our sinfulness and he exchanged it for his righteousness. There was an exchange. And God put forward Jesus as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Faith doesn't make us saved. Faith doesn't take away our sins. Jesus takes away our sins. But faith is how we receive it. When we trust in what Jesus has done, that righteousness becomes our own. And 
that means uh, we, we turn from the possibility of saving ourselves to, to Jesus. We could not do it ourselves. We turn from our weak attempts at righteousness. Uh, we turn from all the thoughts that we could obey God and make ourselves good and we trust in him. Uh, as uh, our friend Cole uh, from uh, Deer and Bandy, as you know him, said the other week, it's really hard not to believe in yourself. It's really hard not to trust in yourself. It take, it's a huge overthrow of your nature to turn from trusting in yourself and having faith in yourself and believing that you can be good and trusting in Jesus. It's a complete turnaround, isn't it? It's an absolute change of mind. That's repentance, turning from ourselves to God. And we live a life of repentance, actually, because it's kind of like every day we have to turn back from ourselves to God. Do you ever do this? I lay in bed one morning not that long ago, and I was lying there, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do today? And suddenly I was struck with, today is a day where I can serve God with all my heart, or today is a day where I can be selfish. Now, maybe that's the same every day, but I was laying in bed and I just thought, I really have to commit my day to the Lord. I have to pray that I would follow the Holy Spirit today, that I would be filled with him and that I would serve him with all my heart. Because that's a, every day is that day, isn't it? Every day is a day of repentance where we turn from faith, uh, turn to faith from ourselves. Okay. This was to show that all of this that Jesus did for us. Go back. God, Jesus stood in the gap for us. He took God's judgment. He gave us his righteousness. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time. Up till now, now we're looking back to the time of Paul, you had the whole Old Testament and God had said everyone who sins will die. The soul that sins will die. And he didn't send, and we know this in in hindsight through the New Testament, but he didn't send everybody straight to hell. David, who we often use as an example of someone whose sin was before a whole nation, he didn't send him straight to hell. So how can God be just? How can God be just? And you see what it's saying there? This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. He had passed over former sins, but he didn't forever. He dealt. Jesus died on the cross dealing with David's sin once and for all. So God sent a sacrifice to die for those people who were before Jesus and those who were after. You understand that? Okay. David's sin was forgiven through Jesus. Abraham's sin was forgiven through Jesus. Noah's sin was forgiven by Jesus. And our sin was forgiven by Jesus. He, he stands once and for all to show that God is righteous and he's holy and he's just. So we can be sure that God is always, and he always will be, just and righteous and holy, as well as compassionate and gracious. There's one thing I love, and there's one thing I hate, and they're the same thing. I love justice. I love it when people get what they deserve. 
I love watching a Bruce Willis movie and the whole time in your heart, right throughout the movie to the last five minutes, your heart is crying out, will there be justice for this bad guy? Yep. And at the end, when he gets strung up or, or pushed over a building or blown up or shot 48 times and you go, ah, good, I've got justice. I love justice. I hate justice, though, because I want you all to get justice, but I don't want me to get justice because I know what I deserve. Is that true? We hate justice. Yep, what I want is for everybody to get caught out for their sin and me to get away with it. I love justice and I hate justice. True? Right. What, this is a really massive point of what Paul's saying here. God will bring justice to this world, to everybody. There will be justice. Do you understand that? Now, is that frightening? Well, that bit in me that hates justice, yes, how can I be, have any peace whatsoever because I know that Jesus has stood in that gap as a propitiation of sins? If I don't know that, I don't ever want to hear about God's justice. Don't tell me about it. Yep, uh, you know that one? La, 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 la. Put your fingers in your ears and go, la, la. I don't want to hear what you're saying. God will judge sin. It's only when you see Jesus standing in that gap that you can go, I love justice for me. And this whole world. Do you get that? Sometimes I've said before, you know, we have great peace knowing God is ruling, He's in control. But we only have that when we know that He is gracious and and He is for us. But there's a great peace that comes when we know this third thing that God is just and He will judge the living and the dead. And He will judge everything. Because uh, well, uh, we've heard people lots of times saying, I'm really worried about my children. Will they become a Christian? Where will they end up? Do you know this? It's actually enough to say this. We can be sure that God will be just. He's compassionate and gracious and he will be just. Do we know where they'll end up? Do we know? All we need to know is God will be just. Do you understand? That might sound like... But that's frightening, and it is kind of frightening, except it's not, because he is in control, and he's holy, and he's just, and he's gracious, and he's compassionate. Do you get what I'm saying? What will happen in this world where we see sin rising? We see powers rising, don't we? Yep. We wonder right now, we're wondering about this drafting off of people. You've got the drafting race. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, vaccinated, unvaccinated, vaccinated, vaccinated. Yep. So the ones that go in this pit, the, the unvaccinated pit, where they fall in the mud, and they're not allowed out of the mud because you can't open the gate because they're not allowed to go. Well, they're not allowed to go to the cinema, or the pub, or the church, perhaps. You know, how? What? What sort of precedent does that set? Where's that going to end? We wonder those things. Where, where, where's that going? Is there going to be a? Is, is, are we are we looking at a world war? Where's that going to end? We don't know the answer to these questions, do we? What's going to happen when there's great greed in the world and exploitation, and it seems like the evil people are the ones who are succeeding? Yep. What is going to happen uh, with COVID? 
Because some people are making a lot of money out of this. <laughs> That's pretty good. But the, the, the COVID is a, is a funny third, uh, first world problem, though, because you see, it's the first world, the Western world, that believes that we're supposed to live forever. We're never going to die. That's why COVID's such a disaster. Because aren't we... Yeah? So that it, it, it plays on our fears. So what's going to happen with that? And, and let's face it, at the end of the day, if you get a worldwide pandemic and people are dying, the, the, the question at the heart of all of questions is, what is God doing? Does he know what he's doing? He is just. He is holy. He knows what he's doing in this world, with your life, with all of these things. We don't know how they're going to end. We, At times in our lives, we're going to be pulled left and pulled right. We don't know what's going to happen. But we do know this. God's in control. Yep. He's gracious and, and good. And he's just. There won't be any bad guys that get away with it at the end. Do you understand? And the good that die young, God is just. There's a whole lot of insecurities and unsureties and uncertainties we have in this world. There are all sorts of evil. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of sickness. There's a lot of things to worry about without even walking out of your bedroom. Just the kids in your side your own home. Just There's plenty to worry about, right? What gives us hope for the future above all else? It will work out justly and rightly in the plans of God because he is perfectly just. That's why Paul makes this big point. You've got to see. Sometimes you see God's forbearance. Why doesn't he just kill that evil person now? Because he's just and he will work out his plans and we need to know that regardless of what we see, God is just. Does that make sense to you? Can you see how that will bring peace? Can you see how that will bring great fear if you're not in Christ, if you don't know that Jesus has stood in the gap? It's a terrible world to be a non-Christian in. It's a terrible world. There cannot be peace. You can play all sorts of mind games and, and use all sorts of pacifiers. You know, pacifiers are what you give a baby when it's crying. Why is the baby crying? Maybe it's hungry and you've still got an hour to get home. So you shove a dummy in its mouth and it pacifies it. It doesn't take away the hunger. It just puts it off. Yeah, that's what drugs and alcohol do. They're a pacifier. They just put off the pain for a bit longer. But it's going to, bl- it's going to burst out. That's what all sorts of uh, the, uh, mind games that we play to bring ourselves peace. I, go, I am happy, I am beautiful, I am happy, I am beautiful. You can say that over and over again, right? So, me saying I'm beautiful doesn't make me beautiful. I don't know if you noticed. I didn't change when I said it. Um, we have these pacifiers, but they just put off the fact that we are worried about one thing. Will this world, well, we've worried about a lot of things, sorry, but will this world turn out and will it all end justly and rightly in the end? And the answer to that is yes. And Paul's making this point. You've got to know that in God's plans and his divine forbearance and the, the seeming passing over sins, no, 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 he'll come back for those. He will sort it all out. It will all be evened up and he will do it rightly and justly. It's really important that we know that. Romans, in Romans 12, 19, he just uh, says this, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. Or never take revenge. None of us ever take revenge, do we? 
None of us even want it because we're so nice. But it says, For it is written, Vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In other words, you've got this enemy who's done whatever to you. What you want to do is get him back. And he says, feed him, give him a drink. Leave that up to God. That's not our business. Don't take revenge. I mean, you could like just say, you know, there's September the 11th happens. Why not invade Afghanistan? That's going to fix it all, isn't it? How did that work out? <laughs> Fixed all the problems in the world, didn't it? Sorry to be kind of sarcastic in that, but can we take vengeance and fix our problems? What would have happened? We, we had friends from America once, and they said, uh, just after S, uh, September 11, they said that was the chance that America had of showing to the world it was a Christian nation. If they had come out and said, we forgive you, what would that have done? Mm. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The Lord says, I've got this in my hands. I know what I'm doing with history. Okay. We don't despair because we know who God is. And uh, When God appeared to Moses in Exodus 34... It says, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, not never anger, not never angers, slow to anger. In other words, his anger is measured and just. And abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. He is holy. He is righteous. Okay. I want you to see if you can receive this by faith, this message, what I've said here. God is just and that is good when you know Jesus Christ. It will help you in days of fear and confusion. Okay. In verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is just, so he's perfectly just. He will judge and punish sin. And he did that through Jesus, who died for our sins. So he's the justifier as well. He's the one who justifies us. So that we receive, through faith in Jesus, we receive all of that forgiveness. He's both the judge and the justifier. You get that? Okay, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By the law of works? No, by the law of faith. Right up to now, again, if you look at the book, we're all sinners, we're all worthless, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, no one is good, no one even seeks God, right? But we're saved purely by a gift of God, that Jesus died in our place. Here's how good you are. Like, here I am. I'm so good that someone had to actually die just to restore me. Good on you. What have I got to show off about? Nothing. It is excluded. There's nothing for us to show off about. What have we got to boast in? Jesus. How good is he? Yep. 
That's what we can boast in. How good is he? By faith. Because when you, just, when you, when you trust in law, you are trusting in something in yourself that you believe that makes you boastworthy. That's something to show off about. Yep. If you show off about anything, if you boast about anything, it'll come from some sort of law. Right? Just say you uh, achieve something great, and we love to achieve something, and, and you've got your trophy. In, when I was in grade six, I think, I got the best class person, which is... And I got a Guinness Book of Records, actually. That was the only award I ever won in school, I think. And best class person is a bit like the coach's award. It's like, there's this miserable little kid who gets nothing, we'll give him something this year. And they change it each year to somebody else. Yeah. But, what's that? (laughs) Yep. And you might want to show off about some achievement, right? But there's an underwriting law to that showing off. And that is that... Your achievement brings glory, the glory of man. We talked about glory, I know, uh, last week up in St. George, but the glory of man, where you look to get glory. There is a law that says the most important thing in this world is acceptance of man. Yeah? most important thing you can do is to be loved by those around you, to be glorified, to be affirmed, to hold up your trophy and for everyone to say, I am great. It is, this is the thing that, causes, that drives us towards idolatry, is the acceptance of men. It'll cause a person to train day and night, morning from five in the morning right through to night and control their diet for four years for a 10 second race, is the glory of men. And at the end of it, get really depressed because you realise that it's all been the glory of man is worth nothing. Yeah? It, is, it drives us to this incredible obsession when we receive... Uh, it's good that Facebook call them likes, but we don't want just likes from Facebook. We want likes from people. Do you like my sermon, Rob? Is it acceptable to you? Is it good? Am I good? Do you like me? We want those likes. Do you understand? We want that affirmation and our heart has this little swell but when we're judged or questioned or critiqued then our heart shrivels yeah because we live by this law the the law of boasting because the opposite of the law of boasting is when you get taken down yeah it is slavery slavery of the mind it brings slavery to the body it brings slavery to the spirit there is, the law is not life-giving. It brings condemnation of death. But there is this new law, which is the law of faith. And that law of faith is, by, is the law of trusting God, which is what was meant from the beginning. We were always made for faith. That's not a new thing. The New Testament doesn't introduce faith. It was always there. We were supposed to, bring, uh, supposed to live by faith and trust God for everything. Being delighted in by God, which comes... How, how can we be delighted in by God? By faith. Imagine having the God who made the universe say, Liam, I delight in you. 
the God who made everything, who is in control of all, saying, I delight in you. That's what we have through Jesus Christ. And then we've got the glory of man saying, and I like you too. Yeah? And, and with all the manipulations and stuff that come with the glory of man. Don't exchange it. Accept the law of faith, because that law of faith is a beautiful law and it will set you free. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We hold that, not one, but we hold that anybody is justified by faith apart from the law. Do you know, I think Paul's made this point about 19 times already in Romans and he's probably going to make it another 20 times before the end of the book. Right? Why is he always on about this? In every letter. Because there is an insidious and enslaving evil that comes into the church, because he's talking to churches, like a dark cloud, and that is the thought that you can impress God by yourself without Jesus Christ. It is, it is a horrible evil to think that you can impress God by yourself, that you can, you can earn God's acceptance. He delights in you through Jesus Christ. Because, and it, it's also the same evil that the devil brings when he brings his accusations. The devil says, you need to be good. That doesn't sound like the devil, does it? The devil says, you need to be good and see where you failed. Yep. So what's he saying? Obey the law of the law, not the law of faith. You need to make yourself right with God. He brings his accusations. You can't be a real Christian because you're not good enough. How could, you, how could you be a Christian when you go on sinning? What's he talking about? The law. Not faith. The devil's never going to say, why don't you just look to Jesus? <laughs> He's never going to say that. He, but he will bring up all of your sin and he will bring all of the law of God to bear and say, look where you've failed. And it's all true, except for the bit where he forgets the law of faith. It is God who saved me through Jesus Christ. So we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from the works of the law. We hold, by the way. Hear what it's done there? We grab hold of it and we don't let go of it and we never stop thinking about it. We hold on to the fact that you are justified by faith apart from the law. You're going to need to hang on to this tight. You won't lose your salvation if you don't. You'll just use, lose your peace. Yeah? God's holding on to you. I'm not saying you've got to hold on to him. But what I am saying is, while you're remembering that you're justified by faith, you will be, you'll be at peace. You'll live a joyful life. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God, since God is one... Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? So if you're a Jew, you'll be saved by faith. However, if you're a Gentile, you'll be saved through faith. It's just making sure you know. If you've, if you've held the law all your life and tried your best to do it, you're actually going to be saved when you trust in Jesus by faith. It was always the case. In the Old Testament, Abraham said he believed the Lord, he trusted God, and God counted him as righteous. Yep. God said, that's, that's uh, Genesis 15, 6. How was Abraham righteous? Because he had faith. He trusted Jesus. 
They trusted God, sorry. Okay, so then do we overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Well, I'm talking a bit long here, but that's okay. We'll get, yeah, are you still with me? Just slap yourself a bit here and we'll be right. Thank you. After, after uh, I gave a sermon last week, uh, I talked to a young fella and I said, I had to go with that. He, I said, you got, you know, anything? He said, I've got three questions. Right like this. Three questions. Number one, if what you're saying is true, what's the meaning of the law? Number two, his question was, is there any point in us obeying the law? And number three, he said, what is the point of striving for excellence, therefore? Three good points. Yep, and that naturally, those three points actually come into our heads when we study the righteousness that comes from God. We just naturally ask those questions. So, I'll quickly answer them, as I did then. Um, Point one, the law is always good, and nothing will ever fall away from the law of God. It describes who God is. The law is wonderful. The problem with the law is not the law. The problem with the law is us who don't uh, obey the law. But the law will stand forever. It's who God is. And, and, and just a simple example I often give is the law can be summed up by saying God is love. Uh, sorry, love God, love one another. Love is at the heart of it. Why is that law part of the law? Because God is love. It's who he is. So when you love, you are like God. So can that ever disappear, that law? Can can ever say, we don't need that one no more? It's who God is. And it's who Jesus restored us to be, those who love. So the law does never never change. Is there any point for us being obedient to the law as Christians? Absolutely. Because when we receive the Holy Spirit, he drives us to obey the law. Someone uh, used to say, we're set free from the condemnation of the law to obey the law. So when you're set free from the condemnation of it, of, of, of obeying God, you're set free that you're not going to be judged, Jesus will judge in our place, then your heart's free to actually obey what you're supposed to obey. So when Paul says this in Ephesians 2, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God. So, so the, it's, even the faith is a gift of God, not a result of works, so no one may boast. We've heard that, yeah. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So are we supposed to walk in good works? Yes. Are we supposed to obey the law? Yes. Is it what saves us? No. Should we be condemned when we don't obey it? No. But it is always good and it's right. The law is good and we will be law obeyers. That's what happens to people who have faith in Jesus. That's point two. What's the point in striving for excellence? This is a hard one, actually. Um, it's, it's really um, difficult... Uh, because excellence is kind of a human concept, as a human construct. Um, what are we saying when we strive for excellence? What is it really saying? We want to be the best? What's the, what, what, what do we level ourselves? If, you, if we talked about running human excellence, we've got Usain Bolt. Yeah, we've got to aim towards, we can all run as fast as him. If, if, if it was wisdom, think of someone wise. I, I love those people who can listen to a conversation and they not only have the answer to your questions, they know why you're asking them. 
I, I never have that wisdom. But that, that excellence, I'd love to receive that. You know what I mean? What, what are we talking about here? And, and people say, well, you don't want to just get up in front of the church and be average and play your guitar. You want to be excellent. It's like, I don't know how many times I've got up in front of the church and thought, I think I'll play average today. Like, I'll just deliberately miss a few chords and get my timing go wrong. That never happens, does it? So what, is it what, is this converse, what is this concept of excellence that we're on about? It can be a very worldly concept. It can be something which is talking about the sinful nature moving us towards pride. Because it can be debilitating to look back and try and make excellence for yourself. It's actually anti-faith. Because when you start really driving towards that, your doctrine starts to change. You, um, you have this thing where God really blesses people and accepts people who strive for excellence, who try their hardest, who get every word right. Who do- you, you understand? I always wonder, and it's, I don't want to make a judgment on people who pray. We watched the game last night and they're praying after the game and they, and they prayed... You see the players sit in a circle and they prayed. I wonder what they were praying. Were they, Thank you, God, that we won. Um, and what, Do they pray that when they lose? Um, Thank you, God, that we lost? I, I don't know. Um, striving for excellence is living by faith because Jesus is perf- perfect. You understand? Our excellence is found in him. We cannot strive towards something we can achieve outside of him. Uh, sanctification, that's the, the growth of a, a, a mature, towards maturity of a Christian, is learning to fix your eyes on Jesus. Living by faith. Yep. And as you live by faith, you uphold the whole law of God. In Christ, the one who upheld the whole law of God. So when you live by faith, you uphold the whole law of God. Okay. I'm going to pray that we get understanding of this, but I I want you to see God is just. He knows what he's doing, and we live by faith, and the only delight we need in this world is when God says he's delighted in us, and that comes through faith, and we live the life of excellence through faith, but we don't want any other excellence but by faith. We don't want human excellence because that will become idolatry and dangerous. The law is always good. God is good. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for the graciousness you've shown us by sending your son to take our place, by sending your son to bear your wrath that we know we rightly deserved. I pray that you would show us the truth of that, that we might not only... uh, Look at faith as when we first believed, but that you would teach us to live by faith every day, that every day would be a day of repentance where again we we turn to you and we say everything we have is from you and not for ourselves. I pray that our lives will be lived always looking to you for everything and glorifying you for all that you are and all that you've done. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.